Hello and welcome to the Two Indie Authors Podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. And this week we are going to talk about the very popular subject of audiobooks to hopefully bring you some rich insight into the avenue of self-publishing. We will also be taking on another question from our mailbag as we do each week. And later in the show we will be joined by the wonderful Ginny Grundy who will tackle our seven questions. But before all that, Rob... Let's take a quick peek at the week that was. How have the last seventy days been for you, buddy? Uh, it's been it's been pretty good. I did a book launch last week. Correct. Um, yes, it was very good. It was my best one yet. Um, oh, brilliant! Yeah, it was really really good. Um, nice one because I knew from my pre-orders it was going to be quite good. Um, yeah. Which because I I haven't really done pre-orders before, but I did on the book eight and then so this one was book nine and i could see that i'd almost like doubled my pre-orders <laughs> so all right yeah i knew that was okay was well, going to be quite good so you know i, I got the number one hot new release oh the orange uh, badge nice. little orange badge congratulations I, got, I, I can't remember what i cracked on the t- on the full kindle store but it was quite high it was in and around the top hundred Great. i think nice that's brilliant um so I basically, looking from a purely analytical you know, business view, I cleared the cost of it on day one. Yes, that's so amazing. That's always quite a, a bit of vindication, isn't it? So, um, yeah, that's so brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going really, really well. Um, and what else has been going on this week? Oh, NaNoWriMo finished. So we record this oh, on course, Thursday, yeah. don't we? So, um, yeah. It finished yesterday, Wednesday, the thirtieth of November. I mm-hmm. passed the fifty k mark, which well was done, Rob. I, got, I got the badge. I shared it on our social media um, <laughs> as proof. Yeah, I'm a man of my word. I told I told our listeners I'd be doing it. Um, yes, but you know, excitingly, that now means I'm I'm in the final stretch of the next book. Oh, that's um, amazing! Just yeah. as the, the other one has been released. Yeah, so so that's going to be an early 2023 launch. And um, wow. You know, once I can get a few things sorted out, like the cover, I'm going to bang it up for a pre-order, and yeah, try and keep try that and money rolling the, in. Try and repeat the process again. Um, <clears throat> on a personal note, joined the gym. <laughs> nice. Um, figured um, it's time to try and be a bit healthier. So yeah. uh, I've been going there this this week in the mornings, which has been I ache. By the way, you probably won't see me lift my arms up at all on this <laughs> uh, on this. Well, we're on video, obviously. Um, and then just lastly, David, before I before I delve into your week, um, I just want to make an interesting point because it hammers home the point I always make of writing your next book is the best marketing thing you can do. Yes. Over the last couple of weeks, leading up to this book launch. I had a BookBub deal and I had two Amazon weekly deals, the ones that KDP invite oh, you great. into. Yeah. So the BookBub broke even, which is fine because mm-hmm. I get the read through, which you know, yes. we've already covered that. The Amazon ones, I couldn't tell you that I had those deals. 
Uh, yeah so the daily deals are really good the weekly one i couldn't tell you i i forgot i had a weekly deal on that's how minimal it was but neither one either (laughs) the amazon weekly deal or the even the book bub which i paid money for came anywhere close to what the book launch did and that's a book launch with no marketing against it because you know i'm in a position where this is book nine of a series but, yeah, you know, within one day it covered the cost of it, and um, yeah, I just thought I just hammers home the point of nothing will sell your books more than the next one. So yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's the best marketing tool we have is the ability to to keep writing. Great decision on joining the gym, um, <laughs> especially with you now full time because I just think. Um, you know, the isolation of full time. I think we spoke about this in one of the earlier mm. uh, podcasts. It it, it, it it can get to you. So it, it's nice to have the flexibility and the schedule to not literally just be tied to your keyboard. Well, yeah. It, that, well, that actually did play a part in it. So I actually have like a, yeah. I have a garage, which I have like a weight bench in. Um, mm-hmm. So I could have, you know, and that, the intention was oh, I'll just go in there. Yeah. But I wasn't doing it. And you know, I'm I'm a big person. I'm like, well, something's not working here, so something has to change because yeah. I have the time and I have the equipment, but I'm not doing it. And I think part of it was was apart from you know taking little and to nursery and picking her up and maybe running the odd errand, I don't have loads of reasons to leave the house. Yeah. So actually, that played a part in it as well. As well, well actually getting up going there doing it was was a bit more inspiring so that did play into that, that part yeah. of it of i don't want to just yeah, be I've, trapped at home i've had that experience i'm a big yogi i love my yoga and uh, there's a studio about a uh, 15 minute walk from where i live uh, i go two or three times a week when covid hit they were doing sort of online tutorials mm. and classes so you were doing them at home and I sort of continued that after the pandemic had ended. And I was just wondering, well, I just wasn't getting anything from it. Mm. Whereas the, the literal sort of um, leaving of the house to go do something was a much better stimuli for my, uh, for my mindset. So, yeah, it definitely helps getting out of the house, getting out of the environment that you work in. To, to do something different so that that's a great call from you joining the gym it, you, you you'll see um benefits of that i'm, I'm sure yeah I, I i well i feel a bit better just for going and doing it i, I quite yeah. like exercise so it does release good endorphins and stuff yeah um so beyond obviously multiple um visits to the yoga studio david what have you been up to over the past seven days um i've been working on my edits professionally so that's uh, I'm still not sure I made the right decision with um, announcing a release date months prior. Uh, I sort of the last two weeks have been a little stressful in terms of, you know, getting it back from the editor and mm. swapping and then, you know, going through those edits and then swapping it with the proofreaders and getting it back from the proof. And I have a few rounds of proofreaders and my book has to be on Amazon on Monday midnight. Yes. This Monday coming. So if you're listening to this podcast today, it was released. Tonight it has to be on Amazon and it's still with one of the proofreaders and I, I still haven't put a true vellum and I'm, I'm, little, I'm a little, I'm stressing over it um, is the truth. I'm sure when I sit down on Monday to put a true vellum, 
once it's done, the, the, the weight will lift and there'll be relief and I'll be thinking there was no need to stress over that. It's easy. Um, but just because there's some question marks, because it's unknown and it's not complete, I'm, I'm a little bit sweaty. Oh, I'm, I have to say. Oh, you, you've done this multiple times before. It's always that. Yeah. You know, there's a checklist of things you have to do, right? And it can be a bit like, ah. But yeah. I think when you just kind of, you'll just click into the mode of, right, launch mode or, right, book, getting your book ready mode. And I'm sure you'll do it. If, if you, well, I guess there's, there's well, no I, option to, to delay it, is there? No, there's no option to delay it. It, it should, it, my last proofreader is going to have it back to me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So over the weekend, I'll just go through her edits and it should be clean or as clean as it can be. Um, I'll probably give it one. I'll give it one more read and then I will put it through Vellum, which formats the book for me. And then it'll, I'll be able to upload it to Amazon. But no, I normally go through this process. I wouldn't release or announce a release date until everything's edited. Mm. So I'm never I'm never sort of panicking at editing stage. It's I, I would get it back, I'd go through it all, and I'd say, right, this book is ready to be published. And then I would say, right, and then I would have a release date of maybe two or three weeks after that. Um, but I was trying to take, and th- this makes total sense, advantage of having a, re- a release date and, and pre-orders because the money comes in. So I've been making money on this book while I was writing it. Mm-hmm. Over the past couple of months, so uh, it's probably money I would have seen anyway. I'm not sure, but it was nice to sort of see it rolling in. I'm a little worried. I normally break the sort of 100 on release date, but it's already sold a couple of thousand copies. Oh wow! And and I don't think I'm going to have that flurry on release date that I normally have. Yeah, but it'll still shoot up. It will still it will still shoot up a bit. I imagine. I still think you'll get your orange tags. It's been in the top. It's been in the top 300 already um, and it's sort of gone in waves up and mm. down the, the chart. So I'm not sure what release date will be. It's normally quite exciting for me, but I don't think it will be as impactful because I've already sold. I think it's 2,800 copies of it. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure where it'll go from here. But yeah, it's it's a little stressing about that. That's been my week. You're just trying to fit everything in. Yeah. Um, but... Um, while it was at the editors and the different proofreaders, I was putting together all my back matter. You know, we spoke last week. I do a video. Yes, we did. At the back of my book. So I've recorded all that. Everything's ready to go. I'm just waiting on it back from the proofreader and then um, a weight will lift and I'll be able to look forward to Christmas. Well, I'm I'm sure you'll it'll all go fine and you'll be... Put it this way, listeners. Next week, when we record this, you're going to have a lot, a, a, a much less stressed David B. Lyons. Yeah, you won't be hearing the cops and and the 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 sort of throaty delivery that I, I've had for the past couple of weeks with you. I will I will be a different person, I'm sure, next week. Different host. Well, we 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 will look forward to it for, you, for your own sanity more than more than anything. Yeah, but we'll we, we, we'll update next week. Two in the so Rob, this week's talking point is all about audiobooks, which you have mentioned before is something you have heavily invested in. I haven't as yet. So um, I want to hand this over to you. Can you introduce this for us? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we thought it'd be a good topic to discuss because it's come up quite a lot during our conversations and in a few questions we see on Facebook. Um, so we thought it'd be good to discuss, but then I thought 
you know, I have audiobooks, but I'm not really an expert in audiobooks. So to go one step further, we've invited in Mr. Lee Beddo to the to, to the podcast. Hello, Lee. How are you? Hello there. I'm very well. I'm looking forward to this. So for Thanks our, so much for joining us, Lee. Yeah, so it's, no problem. Yeah, thank you so much. So for, for our listeners, Lee Beddo, uh, for people who have read my books or listened to my audiobooks, they might recognise your name because you are actually the voice of Sam Pope, aren't you, Lee? Yes, that's me. <laughs> I am Sam. <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, Lee, you're joining us today, and we figured what Dave and I will do, is, which we usually just do to people, is we're just either going to talk at you or ask you some, um, some, some questions, if that's all right. Yeah, fire away. Go on, I will, I will give it over to, to David. Go on, David, you fire away. So, Lee, I know Rob knows all this stuff because he has worked with you for uh, a couple of years now, but... Could you fill me in? I'm a bit sort of numb and dumb to this subject on your career so far, how you got into being an audiobook narrator and the sort of books you have worked on thus far. Well, I guess um, there's a lot of uh, narrators who were previously actors or still actors or um, things like that. That wasn't my routine. My original route is uh, running a studio. So I, I'm a, a session musician I, I play drums bass guitar uh keyboards i'll sing backing vocals if you ask nicely um and i also taught i i, I worked in radio um and taught in taught radio and media and music at a college um and then a few years ago completely out of the blue hr rang me up and said um we don't want you anymore oh okay and i thought well I'd like to be able to, to carry on doing my recording work, but there just wasn't a lot of music around. And I thought, you know, I love telling bedtime stories. And that's how it started. I'm going to give this audiobooks a go. And I went onto a few Facebook groups uh, and basically put my name out and said, look, if anybody's looking for a, a narrator to get started, um, let me know. And bless them, two authors did. Uh, Patrick Cox, who gave me a sci-fi book that was uh, some 17th century sailors who were accidentally transported into the 25th century. Okay. Uh, and then an author named M.K. Turner, who had got a detective series, uh, Meredith and Hodge, and she gave me her first book to do as well. And I'm just about to start work on the 12th one of that series, which is fabulous. Wow. And also done a, probably about another five or six books. Um, and also a couple of two-handers where I work with another uh, a female narrator. So we do dual narration but yeah so i mean uh, mine my audiobook work has, has come from um i guess just what i decided i could do and um a lot of people think oh yeah well just because i can do a few silly voices i can do it maybe that was my first thought but it is a lot more than that and there's a lot more acting than i ever thought yeah. um but i love it i absolutely love it I mean, I know I now tell people I sit in a dark room pretending to be other people all day, <laughs> which is which is which is right. But, you know, I, I love it. And probably in the same way as you being indie authors, me being an, an indie narrator, if you like, um, I can go and do the school run. I can come in. I, can, I normally record. Um, I then go home and edit and then do the reverse school run and a bit more editing. So the time's mine and I love it. I absolutely yeah. love 
love the whole the whole process. That's fantastic. fantastic yeah. <laughs> Absolutely fantastically. And um I think it's always nice when you speak to people who like talk so passionately about um what they do. Um my mm. question for you is you actually just uh, touched on it a little bit there is that there is more to it than just doing a few uh, silly voices. So um as you do obviously you narrate them but you produce the books as well. Could mm. you walk us um, and our listeners through the process of audiobook production and I mean just from your knowledge like where where a, a, a wannabe author who wants an audiobook where they'd even begin mm. to source them well the the first thing is is finding the narrator that you're comfortable with I mean uh, one of the things that I've always done is do a free demo um, I normally suggest to authors that they send me a chapter or, you know, a thousand, twelve hundred words with a little, with some dialogue and tell me about your character. It's not just, oh yeah, well he's from Yorkshire. Yes, he's from, you know, he's, from, he's a Londoner or whatever. Tell me that character, is he nice? Is she nice? Are they nasty? Um, are they a nervy character? Um it's that sort of thing that I want to get into the character as well. So that's that's the first thing I do. And there's lots of Facebook groups. I mean, that's the obvious one. Um, and also there's ACX, which for those that don't know, is Amazon's and Audible's arm for for doing audiobooks. That's where you load your final files to if they're going on to, um, to Audible, Amazon, Apple, which I guess we'll come on to later. Once you're happy with your narrator, as I say, I send out a production sheet and I, I say, give me a plot synopsis. Um, tell me about the characters. Um, if the character's only got a couple of lines, it doesn't matter, and I will give you a generic voice. Um, but the, uh, one thing that a lot of narrators do is read the whole book beforehand. Um, I don't. I will read the chapter beforehand, but quite I like the same surprise that the reader gets i've had um characters killed off where i didn't see it coming yeah and you hear that in my voice that kind of oh my god you've killed off so and so <laughs> um and you'd get that genuine surprise in my voice because i didn't know it was coming yeah um so i quite like so i'm i'm as much a reader um uh, and waiting for things to happen as as um a traditional reader if you like um the whole process um and why it becomes perhaps seemingly expensive on the outside is that one hour of what you listen to can take up to um five or six hours to make right because i'll, re I'll read it through but then um, there's always a few lines that you, you misread or you read again or you know, a, a take that I, I know I'm not happy with as I'm going along. Um, or there'll be a word that, that get effortlessly is my bugbear word. Whenever effortlessly comes up, m my mouth is <laughs> you know, really thinking about it. Um, but then that that recording which let's say an hour's worth maybe takes me two hours to record it then might take me even another three hours to go in and edit uh and again one of the things that i do that not all narrators do is i edit breaths out hmm. and um 
it, it, there is no instant software that takes it all out. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, press a button, it all disappears. Yeah. It doesn't. I sit and manually take them out wow. because there's nothing worse than you've got your, your, your earbuds in, you're listening away, and somebody says a line, <gasps> and then they take this great big breath, and yeah. they just, ah, and they really grates on me. Yeah. To, to, um, natural breath, fine. If it's just a little, you know, breath in this sentence, I'll leave it in. But the big, big breaths, I, I've heard other audio books and I don't like it, so I, I take them out. Yeah. Um, I also do other little production things. If it's a telephone call, I'll give the, the caller a telephone voice effect. Or if it's on an intercom or a two-way radio um, or a, something from a television, something like that, I'll put that effect in. I don't go for lots of big effects and things, but those, I think, add to it. If it's a telephone conversation, you expect the person on the other end to sound like they're on the other end of a telephone. Yeah. So I'll add that in. Mm. Um, Once that's all done, I then send those to the author to check over, make sure they're happy with it. Um, And the final process right at the end is I master it. Um, ACX, Amazon, Audible are very particular about the, the levels. It mustn't go over a certain level. It mustn't get too quiet at parts. It must have the, the right amount of silence at the start and the end uh, and be correctly labelled. So that's, a, you know, another big process. So that one hour you listen to, as I say, could take up to six or seven hours. So, you know, when you're saying, you know, it's, it's X amount of pounds an hour, actually, that's six or seven hours work yeah. at a time. So that's why it comes in. But it's like anything. It's like I heard on one of your earlier episodes about paying for a quality editor mm-hmm. or a quality cover designer. Yeah. Same thing. You pay for a quality narrator who does a, a proper job. Uh, I'm lucky that I've got a soundproof studio uh, and an expensive mic, and I try and make my my productions as absolutely the best as I possibly can, um, because that's what you know. That's what you want. Yeah, I have been around this block, which um, we have communicated on the of, of getting my books made uh, into audiobooks or turned into audiobooks. Mm-hmm. There is no reason to take any cheap route on this, or I mean, as some try to do it themselves, some mm. hire actors who haven't got the experience of audiobooks. But if the truth about this is the audiobook version your narrator is the one who's going to be reviewed at the end of it. So you, 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 yeah. if you do this, if you go the cheap route on the audiobooks, you'll end up with a one-star review and a review of the narrator rather than a review of the actual book. So it, it's key to get this right. And this is why we, we call you the, the king of the audiobook. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, you know, you uh, this is your baby. And I, I'm very aware that when I'm, I'm reading this, um, that it's your your work um uh, and and you're something that you've slaved over and you've written and edited and re-edited and you know intimately um one of the things that i I do say particularly to new authors is don't get too hung up on the voices because the voice i read won't be the voice that's in your head i'll do my best but it will never be that voice um and I get people who come in and say, oh, well, you, know, you must sound like um, Hugh Grant. You must sound like uh, Michael Caine. Well, no, because I'm I'm not them. <laughs> but I will be your character as much as I can. And yes, it will freak you out the first time you hear your words yeah. out of my mouth. And I totally get that. 
But if you can put that aside, then you'll be fine. Yeah. So how do, how do you manage the creative process? So if you're if you have a job on this week that is a crime thriller mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. next month's book is a romance novel, what, what's the creative process for you? How do you sort of go from one genre to another? Well, you, you say next month, but I mean, literally, uh, I will have... A, let's take this week as a, for instance, I've just wrapped up a thriller, a spy thriller, um, set in 1966. I've got a comedy book um that's actually set in 1977 where it's a first person so i'm uh, as the narrator i'm reading in character which is um is a bit of a different one to do but i'm also doing a kid's fantasy book um that's set with lots of vikings and i'm lucky that i can switch heads so i mean i've got a page of notes in front of me permanently with a list of characters um voices and normally what I do is I'll, I'll, I'll put a picture in my head. So if I know that it's a certain uh, detective or a certain character, I put that picture back in my head and it lets me get the voices back. Great. Um, and I, I, as I say, I'm lucky that I can switch from, um, you know, maybe being a gruff detective in, in, in one circumstances to suddenly being a Viking or yeah. whatever it might be. Um, and... It's, it's I acting do, chops, I, isn't it? Really, yeah. Yeah, and and I, I I do read it straight. I don't sort of stop getting character, and I I read as it's on the page, and my head can switch. Um, and I guess it's one of the things that fortunately I can do. Yeah. Um, but I like that. I I I like the variety of uh, of doing that. Um, and really really enjoy. As I say, you know, whether it's being a Viking, uh, a, a Yorkshireman, I'm not going to do my Irish accent. I, I, I'll, I'll spare you that one, David. <laughs> uh, but I have had to do books where there are, there are lots of uh, characters from all over the world, whether they're Cubans, Mexicans, Welsh, Scottish, Irish, German. Uh, you know, my accents have been around the world and I have to learn them. I have to go and research Brilliant. a particular accent sometimes. Nice. You know, it doesn't just. Uh, Oh, oh, absolutely! You know, well, we've we've moved all around. We've, you know, when we were going out to America, it was like, right, okay, let's make sure that you know uh, these guys with Sam have got their right American accents, um, and um, you know, wherever they might be, um, there's a, a lot of it, a lot of Eastern Europeans often come up on, on different ones. So I've got like a a generic one, but occasionally people will ask for something you know quite specific, you know, oh, it needs to be Croatian. And there'll be little things that I have to change, you know, to make sure that that accent's relatively authentic. But again, it goes back to, does the listener know? Will the listener know yeah. a Croatian accent from a Romanian accent? 99.9%, no, they won't. And that's sometimes what you, you have to get through to the, the author that... Um, yeah. Think about your audience. Do they know? What voices will they be listening? What voices do they have in their head when they're reading your book? Yeah, often the author, I found this dealing with my editors even, often the author is so precious about their work yeah. that they forget that, you know, the 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 reader isn't going to see it from their angle or their point of view or they're not going to hear oh, the no. voice that they're no. hearing. So your job 
is to narrate and come up with these voices. So an author should leave you to it. That's your level of expertise. And, and mm. us getting involved in that is sort of, it goes against the production in a way. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I still want to make sure that I please the author. And I yeah. uh, one of the things I do is I will send work in progress all the time. Yeah, um, great. Um, because I, I want the author to, you know, to, to, to see the process and be happy, not suddenly be presented with a uh, an 85,000-word book and they go, well, you know, that character there, actually, they were from Birmingham and you've you've made them, you know, made them from Liverpool and you've got to go back and do it all. <laughs> you know, that's what I, you know, make sure I, I find things out like that and make sure, as I say, that, you know, they're happy at the right from the outset. Yeah. So, Lee, I just wanted to say that just to go um, to the point you were just making about um, you know, wanting to put the best thing out there is because I imagine it's A, because you want to put, you know, your best way you take pride in your work. But also mm. there's the you know same thing as, as us as authors is, you know, you want people to come back. So you want people mm. to come back to, to mm. your book. So the same as you. If you're on a rating book, you want people to come back and listen to you again. Um and I found, you know, through working with you over the last couple of years, you know, you've sent me chapters uh, in like batches of three or four mm. as you're going through them. Um, so, yeah, I found that collaboration uh, between the two of us to be really, really good. And I think it's a, mm. it's a really good process and one that authors should look out for or to try and cultivate with a narrator when they go down that route. Yeah, I mean, on ACX, there, there is the, um, you, you can go on there and, and hire a narrator. And they're normally in blocks of, um, do you want to do a royalty share? Do you want to pay between 50 and $100 uh, per finished hour with your narrator? 100 to $200. 200 uh, sorry 400 to a thousand dollars a lot of american narrators won't get out of bed for less than two 250 an hour um i think that may be a little excessive and certainly in in the uk and uh, you wouldn't expect to pay that for a narrator but by the same token you um a, a lot of authors are going oh well if we just do a right a right share it's not going to cost me anything so what have i got to lose well that's where you get the cheap narrators yeah. The, the ones um, that maybe haven't done so many books, maybe, uh, without being disparaging, have got a USB microphone rather than um, something a bit more professional, mm. things like that. Um, and as I say, that's why it's always worth it, speaking to your narrator and being comfortable with them, that they're going to give you the right service. And... Again, I go back to you know you you can you can hire a cheaper editor, but you won't get as good a product. You can hire a cheaper cover designer, and I'm right with you on cover designs that um, having a great design on your cover makes a big big difference. Um, and again, you know, same thing with your narrator. Make sure you get a narrator you're comfortable with, that you're happy working with, um, and not just someone that you, you're throwing some money at and they deliver you a book which you may or may not be happy with. Yeah, yeah, it's so true because mm. it really just will be a reflection of your book and your brand overall. If, if, if you take the shortcuts on this, mm. it will reflect in the reviews and, and, and reviews are one of the biggest sales tools we have. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think especially, especially when, you know, we champion 
quality like you get everything to a, a high professional standard don't let yourself down you know when it comes to an audio book um mm. which is a good segue actually into the next question i have for you lee um so as someone who 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 lives in this market of audio books and and you know mm. has an understanding of it um taking your bias out of it as a narrator um <laughs> why do you feel that having an audiobook is a vital part of like an indie author's catalog it's now uh, i think over the last five six years it's it's a huge growth industry and mm-hmm. when it started it, it, it was always oh it's talking books for the blind that's all you're doing it for and over time people now especially in this era of um on your phone i see it i see the book i press a button i've got it same with an audiobook you're going on a um a car journey you're going in a, on a plane journey you're on holiday there are a lot more t- uh, uh, there's a lot of places that people can now listen to your book that maybe don't have time to sit and read it physically read it yeah. whereas uh you, you're on a bus journey you're on a tube journey my wife listens in the car she travels up and down the country and we'll have not always mine but we'll have audio books on um to listen to um and really enjoy um and i think for for an author it is another product that again it's a speculate to accumulate thing yes it, it may cost you a few quid to get it started but once you've got it that will then earn same as your books infinitum yeah yeah, Absolutely. It's, 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 it's an investment, but definitely investment worth, yes. uh, worth the effort. But I, I believe, is, is it, uh, am, I, am I exaggerating here? Is it the fastest growing um, way people are consuming books at the I moment? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, so it's faster than ebook at the moment. I, I was going to say, I haven't got a, a you know, figures to hand, but I know it grows um, a vast percentage every year and has done for the, yeah. at least, the, as I say, five, six, seven years um and so it, it's um it, it's definitely something that i think a, a, an author um should at least consider if you're a, you know when you you're a, a serious author and you know listen to you guys of uh, how you're marketing and how you look in the algorithms and stuff like that you're treating it as a business if you're treating it as a business and not just a hobby writer then i think it's something that you should seriously consider adding to your portfolio yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah um, it is a must have and just to, just to throw in uh, something there, like I, I've 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 always been an ebook reader um, myself. Mm. However, now going on holiday with a toddler, she's now at that age where she just wants to go in the kids' pool on her on her own, but she can't be unsupervised. So she doesn't want me yes. in there with her. Like she's happy playing around, but I can't go and then lay on the sunbed across the pool or whatever because she still needs to be looked mm. over. So yeah. I've actually found mm. one earbud in with an audio book of a book I wanted yeah. to read on holiday while I'm sitting on like the edge of the pool, just what, keeping an eye over her. Yeah. Your um, eyes are still active. Yeah, exactly. So it's actually, that's now audio books are now a part of how I consume books, especially yeah. when I'm on holiday mm-hmm. where I used to, you know, pre parent, pre parenthood, I was reading like four mm-hmm. or five books a holiday. Now maybe I might listen mm-hmm. to one or two, but I still get mm-hmm. it because there's that medium out there. So um, I, I I agree. I think they're a, they're a vital part because they just you pull in more more people who want to consume your stuff. Oh, they definitely are. But yeah, I so I listen to audiobooks or podcasts when I'm cooking mm. or when I'm going for a walk and stuff. So you, you can't read a book 
while you're walking or you can't read nope. a book while you're you're cooking so it's yeah it's 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 the new they call it the intimate ear right the podcast and the audiobook is is mm-hmm. the new hot product at the yes. moment so it, yeah. it's it's certainly something worth investing in yeah. so to, to pick at you here lee mm-hmm. what, what's the most rewarding part of the process for you versus the most frustrating part of the process um the most rewarding i suppose it's like in any creative industry is that moment when you can step back and go that's what i did today that's what i've been doing on the last month this is what this is me and you step back and go i'm i'm proud of that i, I mm. you know i don't think there's been a production where i go oh, i don't want people to hear that i don't like that yeah. I, you know i i always put my absolute heart and soul into it and seeing it come up seeing it pop up on audible um yeah is great that that moment when you suddenly realize that it's there for for the world to to see and hear that's that's a great moment yeah. um worst part i don't know i mean i i, I don't for me i don't get too many downsides occasionally um i'll get frustrated with 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 some of the writing um but that doesn't happen very often because most of the time people you know that i i've been blessed with with having writers who do great books who i would have read anyway Oh, stop um, it! Stop it, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely, genuinely. That you know, I would have, I probably would have read your books. Um, some of the writers, I'd read their books pre- previously, um, so it was, it was great to get into. Um, you know, I, probably the fingers of, you know, the fingers of two fingers. I, I would say there's a book. Um, yeah, I, I, that wasn't so great, and but I think some of that was probably because they didn't pay for an editor. In actual fact, yeah. Um, and uh, I think I got some way through one of the books, and I and the the guy suddenly said, "Oh, I've had it edited now," and it was a different book. It was a totally different book uh, when I got the edited version from the the, the author's original version. So, um, no, not too many downsides. Is the is the cop out answer? Well, that's great to hear, though. That is wonderful to hear. Um, what, what a lovely, what a lovely feeling to have. There's not many downsides to my job. Um, so, Lee, um, final question for you, yeah. um, and it's one that we we like to ask um, our guests in our seven questions: is what would mm-hmm. be your top tip? But so specifically, what would be your top tip for any of our listeners or indie authors who are thinking about uh, having audiobooks produced? Um. Well, first of all, find the right right narrator, and if it means listening to a few different narrators, li- uh, reading um, a clip from your book, so be it. Don't get too hung up on the voices. You know, let your narrator um, work with your narrator to find the voices you want. It might not be exactly the voice you hear in your head, um, but find something that you're you're comfortable with, and. Um, you know remember that remember what you're paying for and I, and I think that is sometimes thing i know we touched on it earlier that you know the hour that you listen to has taken me six hours to make um and that's what you're paying for you're you're paying for somebody to 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 slave over it and get it right for you um don't think oh well i'll just i'll just have it knocked off for a couple hundred quid it'll do you know yeah yeah um be be get involved with your narrator 
um, and then let them guide you through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and make sure you've got something that you're as proud of uh, as your books to release. Absolutely. Yeah. Great tip. So if, if our listeners did want to reach out to you, where, where could they find you, Lee? Um, the easiest way is I have a web a website, which is abbeysound.org. And then there's two there's two links on it. Uh, if you do slash audio, that takes you to uh, all of this side of my work, um, has some of my voices, um, also including things like adverts and documentary work that I've done. Uh, there is another side that's my music side uh, where I produce tracks for people. I was working on a Christmas single last week. Um, oh, nice. So uh, uh, sleigh bells at the ready. Um, so, yes, yeah, so abbeysound.org you'll find me and also look me up on facebook lee beddo you you'll find me and also abby sound studios is also on facebook lee you're an absolute treasure the king of the audiobook well that's very nice of you to say thank you Right, we're now going to jump into our mailbag. And uh, this week I, I asked a specific question out on our Facebook group uh, for any questions pertaining to uh, audiobooks uh, because uh, we knew we were having Lee on the podcast and um, we're keeping Lee back uh, to help us answer these questions. Um, I'm sure he doesn't mind. So the first one I have is from Eddie Yardley. Uh, Yardley, I'm really sorry if I butchered your name there. Um, his question is uh he says he's had a quote for 1200 pounds to get one of his books recorded um and he's been trying to get to the bottom of the amazon pricing structure because he wanted to know how quickly he could make his money back um and he just wanted to say any insight into the return based on our personal experience uh, and whether or not it's worth risking swapping the equivalent of a week's holiday for a total turkey um now i think i could probably answer the bit regarding the personal experience on making the money back however I'm not sure how much we really uh, went into it on in our in our chat just now, Lee. Um, so uh, there are alternatives to Amazon. So uh, maybe we could talk on uh, talk about those first, and then we can answer the question. So the alternative to ACX Amazon Audible is a company called Findaway Voices. Now they will put you onto multiple platforms: Kobo, Barnes and Noble, uh, and lots of other smaller platforms, but the big difference here is because you're not exclusive to Amazon anymore, the return you get from Amazon is 25% of the retail. If you're exclusive to them, you get a 40% return from Amazon. And um, in, in the same way as it's the difference between going wide and going exclusive when you're publishing your book, it's the same sort of thing. And yes, it would be great yeah. to be on as many platforms as possible, but sometimes better the devil you know. And, and stay with ACX. And that certainly seems to be what the majority of um, authors I've worked with have done. Yeah. And and I think it's also worth noting that if you only have one audio book, it's going to be hard to make back that investment just off of one, which I found when I only had one done. But now that we've got a whole series uh, that we've worked on, Lee, I now yeah. see... A lot of return on that investment because your audio audience is very very different to your ebook audience it's a completely different readership or following um i yeah. think this, the uh the, the cliche of speculate to accumulate is 
perfect for this 100 percent. that's what i found with it yeah. that's what i found with it mm. um yeah mm. so just to follow up we had, we did have a second question lee uh, it was sent in by paul uh-huh. addy um and we've just yeah. touched on it there he's asked acx or find a way he's more interested in reaching as many listeners as possible as opposed to making the money uh what's our personal experience with this now obviously i i i I'm the one who's selling the audiobook. Um, so I don't know if you've mm-hmm. got any kind of uh, thing to add on there about what you'd see. Well, as, as I say, the, the majority of authors I work with have always um, stayed with ACX um, and Audible because you can track it, you can see it. Um, if somebody says to you, uh, I'm going to get an audiobook, you'll go, oh, I'll go to Audible. Mm-hmm. They won't go, oh, I think I'll go and have a look on Kobo. Hmm. The, the the first place you look is is the, the, the big companies. That's not to say that it would be great to have it on, on a wider platform. And yes, the, you know, if, if you've got a further reach and, I don't know, maybe you're not so worried about what money the book is bringing in um, initially, then, you know, maybe that's the way to go. But as I say, from the experience of... Um, the majority of authors I've worked with, they've stuck with Amazon. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. I, I actually I fall into that bracket. I was with uh, mm-hmm. Find a Way, um, and I found Find a Way to be really useful when you could get a chirp deal. So a chirp deal is like yes. a sister company of Bookbub, and they mm-hmm. used to be really easy to get when they were in their um, like uh, beta stages of testing, and also mm-hmm. importantly they were free. Um, yeah, but what I found was outside of a chirp deal where your audiobook goes down to 99 cents. So again, think mm. of your, um, your bottom line on that one. Um, mm. Without a chirp deal, I found there was very little traction through all the platforms on find a way. Whereas yeah. I didn't, I, I still went direct to ACX to, to Audible while I was with Findaway, mm-hmm. but I was finding that about, again, like 90% of my sales were coming through ACX and mm. 10% maybe through Findaway. And yeah. I was only getting 25% royalty because I wasn't mm. exclusive. So I've now gone exclusive with Amazon. I would say, I would say if you're interested in reaching as many listeners as possible, you go wide, you go with Find a Way because then you'll be on uh, more platforms and you'll be in libraries. Yeah. Um, but from my personal experience and from what we've spoken about a lot on this podcast is treating mm-hmm. this like a, a business and getting that um, return back on my investment. I've found yeah. since I went exclusive to ACX, I have begun to um, see a big upturn in the profits off of my audiobooks. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Cool. Yeah, well, they're great answers to a couple of great questions. Lee, thanks so much for joining us and your extended stay to uh, tackle the mailbag. We really appreciate it. Absolutely no problem. Anytime. Thanks, Lee. Cheers. Thank you. You're a gem. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon. To And now it's time for my favourite part of the show, Seven Questions, where we invite an independent author on to discuss their journey so far through this independent authoring business. Today, I am delighted to announce we have Jilly Grundy with us, who writes under the pseudonym of Carrie McGillan. 
Jilly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I was saying to you yesterday, I've got your podcast tune in my head all the time because I've been listening to it. It's really great. I love it. It's, pretty it's cool. such a hook. We all, we all have it. We all have it in our head constantly. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's difficult to shake once it gets in. Yeah, you can't get it out. It's what, once it's in there, it just it doesn't go. You know, it's just too. Yes, <laughs> it's a bit like that. Um, and yeah, uh, speaking of sort of successful hooks, your books have done amazing. You have three books out, Carrie, um, Carrie, Jilly. What do you prefer to be called in an uh, interview? Yeah, it's fine. You can call me Jilly since everybody says I'm Jilly on here. But yeah, I have two. I have two books actually, two um, full length novels out, and then I have a reader magnet, which is just a novella. Um, mm-hmm. And I've only recently put that up on Amazon. Um, it's not in KU either. Um, so it was something that I used as a, a reader magnet. But the two, my two, first two books have done, yeah, pretty, pretty well, really well, actually. So yeah, I'm quite chuffed. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So your book, When He's Not Here, um, has 3,000 reviews almost on Amazon. Is that is that your, that's your first book rather than the novella? Yeah, that's my Obviously, first book. Yes. Yeah. But the novella is sort of a, a prequel, so it kind of lo- it looks like it does actually come first in terms of time. But I I didn't write it first. Yeah, ah, I, interesting. I mean, same thing. I've got two two novellas that come way before the first in my series, but I wrote them after I'd started the series, purely as a, a reader magnet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I did find I did find like yeah, I found putting them on Amazon worked because then I could tell people that they're saving money by uh, yeah, signing exactly. up. Yeah, I think it does yeah. help. Yeah, it's a bit, it's one of those things where people say you shouldn't do it and some people say that you should do it. It hasn't made a difference for me. I haven't had anybody sort of, you know, comment or complain or say anything about it. And, you know, I still do sell a few of them, you know, at 99p, even on Amazon. You know, and also if somebody doesn't want to sign up, you know, or give up their email account, then but they still want to read it, then I'm I'm fine with that. You know, I don't like to force people onto my newsletter if you're gonna hear from yeah. me whether you like it or not, sort of thing. So if they want to read it, they can just go and buy it. So but yeah, when he's not here was the first one. So I write um psychological thrillers, they're very dark, um yeah. a little spicy, um and very twisty. So lots Great. of twists and stuff. Oh, oh you're so. like a, you're like a female David Lyon, tackling <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the hard subjects and man pulling the rug out from underneath me. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah I do that. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I have to say, uh, in uh, Rob and I often preach on this podcast about branding and getting your your covers right and and your name right and you you have nailed it i mean your covers are spectacular so any listeners wanting to know what me and rob are talking about when it comes to branding take a look at the books of carrie mcgillan on amazon and that's it, it they scream professional yeah not 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 just your covers but your a plus your, your a plus content as well looks amazing yeah Thank you. Yeah. Well, I did, actually, I did my A plus content, but my covers are done by the same guy that did the Mr. Mercedes series for Stephen King. So he, he did oh, really? covers. Yeah. Oh wow. So oh wow. When I when I first started, so when when I first started, I did I was actually heading down the traditional route, which is a bit of a story in itself. But um, when I decided to pull out of that contract, I, one thing that I was determined was that my books would not suffer because of the decision that I'd taken. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, yeah. I, you know, I didn't want a traditional publishing contract. And once I decided that, the last thing that I wanted to do was then, you know, have my work, you know, not, not come across as professional. So my editor, she works for, you know, the likes of Elizabeth Haynes and 
player Macintosh, Erin Kelly, you know, all of the big thriller writers in the trad world. My cover designer is Stephen King's cover designer. The guy that did my videos did Stephen King's that butterflies book. I forget the title of it now. Um, So yeah, I I just didn't want my work to, and the same with audio as well. I've, so Amelia Fox did my first audio book. Um, Joanne Froggart from Downton Abbey and Louise wow. from Sherlock did my second audio book. So I was, I just, I, I didn't want, you know, them to suffer from the, for, you know, because I decided to go independent. So I, I made sure that before I did that, so I spent about a year, once I decided to pull out of my contract, I spent about a year preparing, learning. I did... Um, Mark Dalton's course and all and I spent a year getting ready basically so that when I finally released you know I released with a you know a professional book and it didn't it did make a difference obviously you know it made, it made yeah. a much difference wow Julie you, you, yeah you are definitely a you know a, 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 a you you sort of nail what we talk about, really. So if you want an example of what me and Robert preach, do check out Carrie McGillan's book. She is prepared to speculate, to accumulate, invests in her audio narrators, invests heavily in her book cover designs and really makes her books look as professional as Stephen King, literally. So let's get under the hood then to find out how Jilly does all this. What's, what's question number one, Rob? Question number one, as always, is, Jilly, are you a full-time author? I am a full-time author, yeah. Um, I used to be a computer engineer, which paid really, really well, obviously. Um, you know, I worked all over the world, you know, lived in sort of five-star apartments that my companies paid for, had a swimming pool on the roof at one point, and nice. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I I hated it. I was absolutely miserable. So I gave it all up to be an impoverished writer. But before I did that, I, I put by a lot of money. That's an incredibly smart idea. We've said so many times on this podcast that you need to have a little bit of money, you know, to invest in the business itself. Um, Before we quickly move on to David's question, uh, David's first question of the day, um, you do write under a pseudonym um, of Carrie McGillan. So just how do you differentiate between like, well, yourself and and your pseudonym i treat myself as two completely separate people so if i log in as jillian then i'll be publishing and then i log out of that account and i log in as carrie mcgillan when i'm writing so i literally treat myself as two completely different people doing two completely different jobs yeah yeah Yeah, there there is a correlation you can see people who treat it like a business and who invest become successful at it and it's those who are spending £10 a week on a Facebook ad wondering why they're not selling any books are the ones who are on Facebook groups complaining that they're not selling any books. Um, and saying that it exactly, doesn't work to sell exactly. books. <laughs> yeah, no, you're definitely a great example um, and to, how, to how it can work and how we can make it work. Um, which brings us on to question two, which is a little bone of contention, I guess, for all us independent authors. Are you wide or exclusive, Carrie? I'm exclusive, but I started wide. So it was really, really interesting in episode two. I think it was Claire Riley, wasn't it? Episode five, sorry, when she said that she was she'd gone wide from the outset. Now, I did that, actually. I was wide for a year because I hated the idea of all of my eggs being in one basket. And I, I like the idea of a marketplace where we have, you know, multiple players. But um, also there's this idea, you know, that people feel like Amazon is somehow, you know, the evil empire, you know, who are screwing us over. And somehow these other these other retailers, you know, they're all the nice retailers. Yeah. They're all nice to authors and all of that. 
But you know, once I'd done it for a year, I realized that that's actually not true at all. You know, the amount of things that Amazon does for an author in terms of, you know, you've only got to start selling a few books and then they start pushing your books. They start emailing all your readers. They start doing all this fabulous marketing for you. None of the other retailers were doing any of that. You know, Scribd was selling my audio book for £18.75 and giving me a pound. You know, it, it was just ridiculous. Apple would pay me six seventy five for an audio book, which was really good, but they were only selling it a la carte, which meant that I'd sell like two copies right. a month. You know, whereas Audible, Audible, who were pushing my book constantly, it was all you know hit number one in its genre, so it was all over the front pages of Audible. You know, in their carousels and everything, so people just kept buying it because yeah. they were doing all this advertising for me. So they were selling like seven hundred copies a month of my audio book. You know, if I'd been exclusive, I would have been getting three pound yeah. forty a time. You know, for my audio book. I mean, I lost thousands. I lost thousands going. Wow. Um, going wide I, I don't regret it I never regret any decisions that I make because you know you live and learn don't you but yeah in the first in the in my first year I only sold 5,250 copies the 250 were wide ah, the 5,000 right. was probably Amazon. similar to my experience yeah but then, yeah, when I went exclusive, this which was I only went exclusive just at the end of last year. Um, so in that time, I sold forty thousand, and half of those were KU. So with two books, I crossed ten million page reads in less than a year. And that, you know, only part of that was me actually advertising. You know, once I started selling, Amazon were like, "Woo, let's have fun with this," and off they went. You know, so this idea, I think that it's it's really important. To have a healthy love for hate relationship with Amazon, you know, don't. There's no point in hating them. They actually do I a tremendous amount for and, you. And I've you said know. this when I've been uh, teaching in colleges as well that, you know, Amazon is seen as this big commercial shark that just eats every everything up. But really, aut- even uh, aside from authors, it creates so many independent businesses that people are working from home and can use yeah. the channel of Amazon to sell. Now, there's a big, much deeper debate to be had um, regarding Amazon and, and and the moral compass that we can all sort of follow when it comes to selling our books. But yeah, you share a similar experience to Rob and I, although you started wide. It, just the ratio of sales was just so poor wide compared to um, what it was on Amazon. And also, I mean, obviously, like I was Facebook advertising as well. So I was I was trying to Facebook advertise to these other yeah. to these other stores, you know. So I was I was investing money in advertising, you know. But I could not get them to move. I couldn't get them to move. You know, it was really it was really really difficult, and I was just losing so much money. And also, you know, what's the point in releasing a book? You know, nobody's exactly, going to yeah. read it. <laughs> I just saw it. It's it's better to have readers, you know, even if I do have to. I think we all feel the same, don't we? We would love to be wide and we would love this huge marketplace. We would all love that. But it just isn't realistic. I remember it was Mark Lefebvre said something. Obviously, he's like ex-Kobo and Drafter Digital. So he he said on, on a podcast, I wouldn't go wide if I were you unless you've got at least three or four books. Oh, wow. He said that. And I yeah, thought, right, that's he's it. He's the man, yeah, saying that. Yeah. Um, the man if he's going to say it so yeah that was it I went, I went exclusive and I'm glad I did it was a great decision um, Jilly can you name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without 
so that would be my editor. I, I couldn't do without my editor. She um, So she does a developmental edit for me, first of all. Then she'll do a line edit. And she knows my voice as well. So if I make a mistake, she can actually rewrite the paragraph oh, in wow. my voice. And I won't notice. I can't tell the difference between what she's edited when I get an edit back from her. And we work together so well. Obviously, she's, um, you know, a trad editor. Um, so she, she she knows what she's doing. She's really, really good. And we're, we're oh, just best amazing. friends now. You know, we tell each other absolutely everything. So I, I couldn't live without her. And also, because she's a trad editor, she knows the industry really, really well. So she's, she's stopped me from making a lot of mistakes. Um, she's also um, um, a typesetter too, so she typesets all my books, so all of my hardbacks all inside. Because when he's not here, if you go and look on Amazon, it's got um, like this knotty um, twig, and the but then there's these flowers on it because it's kind of dark and light. This book, so the book sort of represents darkness and light at the same time. And she's done all these flowers on the chapter headings, and so inside the book oh, is stunning. You know what she's. What she's done does with me, she I don't take freelance work, or is she working? In, do you want to do you want to drop her name? She does. You don't want to drop her name. No, no I can't. problem. I wasn't sure. I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, she's, she's she's so oh, busy. Yeah, so she's, not she's so busy. Yeah, she's not looking for work. Yeah, so I tell her all the time. She's So she's working for a couple of traditional publishers at the moment, but she's actually thinking about pulling out of those and going completely freelance, in which case yeah. then I will start, yeah, you know, I, dropping I hope she goes freelance. We, are, we preach yeah. independence here on this podcast. Yeah. Um, yes. So, Jilly, Carrie, um, question four <laughs> is, uh, this is one uh, all our listeners want answered, how do you market your books? So um, I, I use Facebook ads pretty much exclusively. I, I have tried at, um, Amazon, but I find that the cost per click is so high with only two books. I, I don't have the read-through of a series that you, know, you guys have. So I can't afford um, Amazon advertising. I have tried. I mean, I've got myself you know, on the front page of some of the really, really big authors you know, by tweaking yeah. at, um, Amazon advertising. The, the cost is just so high. So um, I've gone, I went back to Facebook ads. Um, I use really simple stock images, you know, and, and hooky descriptions. But to be fair, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't do very well, you know, at, at first. And I've had to come to terms with the fact, actually, that I'm not very good at marketing. Um, I know everybody says that nobody can sell your books like you can. I hear this all the time in our industry, but I would say that nobody can sell your books like you can yeah. if you're good at marketing. And I realized that actually I wasn't, so I was just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall. And then this is one of the things I love the most about being independent is um, I, I just did a favor for somebody I didn't know, you know, in the face of the group, she needed something. So I, I said, I'll do that for you. I'll just quickly sit down in the post or whatever. And then we became really really good friends and her husband stepped in and said i don't know why you aren't selling more books you should be selling more books than that i'll, I'll take over your facebook advertising so he took it over and i started to learn from him what he was doing and he just simplified everything it was so simple and you know literally just in the image genre um real hooks you know that were really tropey but really keeping everything basic and literally my sales just oh, went wow. whoosh like this and then um, I thought, no, I've got this now. I've got this because he was doing it all for me for free as well. So I said, you know, I've got, I've got this. And um, so I took over, and it literally oh. just went. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I really thought 
thought I had that. So what what I'm doing now, I mean, I'll, I love taking yeah. risks. I always take risks, you know, paying Amelia Fox £9,000 to record your audio yeah. is a huge risk. I, I love taking risks. So now what I'm doing is I'm working with a marketing company um, who specialise in Facebook ads. And um, oh, their ideas and they're so creative. They're absolutely fantastic. So I've, you know, there's only so many things that we can do as independent authors, and this is one of the ones. I, I, I've got to that stage now where I want to spend more time writing and I want to outsource a lot more. And obviously, I've earned enough money to be able to do that now this year. So now I'm starting to outsource, and my marketing, I think, is my weakest yeah. point. So I'm outsourcing my weakest my weakest points so yeah I'll, I'll have to um, you will have to watch this space to see how these guys get on whether they yeah, can do a really I'm good I'm going to catch up with you to see, see how that uh, yeah. progresses we're, we're really happy for your success well done uh, Jenny fantastic stuff what's question five Rob uh, question five is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset um, I mean you know so I, I came out of I came out of university. I came out of a very very stuffy university. You know, the idea that I was going to write genre fiction was like taking a dump in the pool. Um, you imagine what writing fiction and then independently publishing yeah, yeah. it was like. You know, it was just like you just you just don't do that. And I didn't understand independent publishing. I didn't understand how supportive this community was. I didn't understand how just amazing it was. So obviously I went straight down the trad route. But, you know, my, my first book, I submitted that to the top 10 literary agencies in London. You know, like you do, you start at the top, don't you? And then you expect to move down. But actually out of the top 10, six of them offered oh, me wow. representation. A bun fight over the book, so they were all taking me out to lunch. They were throwing figures at me, you know. Oh, I'm going to get you all of this kind of. I mean, they really do butter you up when they want you. Yeah, and then so the biggest agency in Europe offered me two agents just to get rid of the other agents. If you come with us, we'll give you two agents to. to. So, but then what happened was. they had like one of the big five publishers interested in it but they didn't like my protagonist very much she's snarky and she's sarcastic and they felt that she um wasn't really um deeply affected enough by what was happening to her she was she just responded with adversity with sarcasm this kind of thing that i would do you know so they made me change it they said rewrite the book we want her staring out of windows letting herself go drink too much i don't know any women who behave this way in the face of adversity but i went for it rewrote the entire book then the agent said i hate her i hate her she's lost all her spark i said (laughs) write it again they said I'll write it again, but now I've got to create a depressed protagonist who has a lot of spark. I, it was just, this went on for over a year. And, you know, at, at this point, I knew that I was looking at a mid-range contract. You know, a friend, friends of mine were starting to send me through their, their royalty statements. A, re, a friend of mine who'd had a success, really successful BBC radio play that then been transferred into a book had got 35,000 in an advance for something that already had an audience and was already successful. And I started to look at numbers. One of my friends who ran a literary award, um, she was getting royalty statements in negative yeah. figures. I didn't, I didn't even know that was possible. I started to see what I was signing up for and that I would probably have to go back into an IT and get a full-time job. And then I ran into Mark Dawson at the London Book Fair. 
And I said to him, this is a situation I'm in. I, I don't really know what to do. And he said, I wouldn't sign any contract that didn't have a hell of yeah. a lot of zeros after it. So I pulled out. I pulled out. I mean, it was a crazy thing to do. It took quite a long time to make that decision. But I think of all the time yeah. I wasted, you know. And also the, the ironic thing, the hilarious thing, is that then uh, just this year, the woman in the house across the street yeah. from the girl in the window came out, which is obviously, you know, a complete comedic play on all of the cliches in a psychological thriller and what does she do? She lets herself go, drinks too much and stuff. I was like, oh God, thank God for that. You know, so now I, I'm really, really chuffed that I, I pulled out. And the other really funny thing as well is just literally about a month ago, um, my university professor asked me to do a talk for all of the university students on independent publishers. Fantastic. So that's you know there now that snobby university that i came out of and now wanting to push you know as a result of the success you know that one of their students has had independently publishing you know i've now gone back and spoken to all the students and apparently they were all applauding they just loved it because one of their questions was can you can you make That's any amazing. money the, the, what, the, what one feature article that shocked me was when i learned that traditionally published authors learn less than earn less than ten thousand pounds a year on average and that was just that was the sort of um u-turn for me when i realized oh there's only one way to really earn money at this game now you've praised your decision to be an independent author but then the next question might um pierce a little hole in that what, what is the biggest frustration for you as an independent author do you know what is print yeah. is my biggest frustration because you know I've gone to all of this trouble of having the interiors of my books designed so beautifully and everything's professionally typeset and Amazon can't print my books like particularly my hardbacks because they're when my book is dark and light I have a white jacket over my books and then when you pull the jacket off the inside of the book is black so it has the same design but it's black so everything is all this darkness and light and then it's all done beautifully inside and Amazon can't do that because they have those yeah, solid yeah. Um, so I have to print through Ingram Spark and then Amazon mark them out of ah, that is frustrating <laughs> that is very frustrating yeah. it is print is my, my yeah. biggest my biggest bugbear I wish there was a way that I could do it if I sold enough print you know I would do runs but I, I don't sell enough. And even if you do do a run through a company like Clay's in the UK, you've then, you've, you've then got the problem of international distribution. And most of my readers are in the United States. So I can't I can't get over this issue. And every time I, well, obviously I've only done it twice, but each time I've released my books, Amazon immediately marked them out of stock. And they say that they'll, they'll say yeah. that it's available to buy as soon as you start selling any. Well, that's a vicious circle. I can't sell any if you won't list it. They won't even list it. It's not that they... I'm not expecting them to keep physical copies in their warehouse. Yeah. I don't care about that. But they actually say yeah. that it's not available to buy. They turn off the buy yeah. button. Similar experience. It's really frustrating. And I spoke to... I spoke to the director of Ingram Spark about it, and they're not prepared to fight Amazon, so I can't see that changing anytime soon. That's my biggest oh, problem. Sure. Well, yeah. hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll just sell so many that you just open up your own US arm of, of your. Last question, and then and then you're done. You're out of the hot seat. Um, this one we always ask um, is: What's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Oh my God, there's so many. That's like, you know, 
Um, I would say uh, embrace your one-star review would be my best piece of advice. I watch people in the Facebook groups get so upset when they get a single one-star review, right? And this is the thing. If you have incensed a reader enough that they have to go onto Amazon and wax lyrical about how crazy your book drove them, cherish that because you made them feel, you touched a nerve. Okay, so I I don't hold anything back in my books. I kill dogs, I kill kids, I use the C word, I take the Lord's name in vain, the Americans love that. Um, I write sex scenes, I detail physical abuse, I never cut to a fireplace. Because if my protagonist is going through something, then you're damn well going to go through it with her. And that makes some people, it makes a small percentage of my readers, really angry. They get so angry that I've had reviewers rant on Amazon and Goodreads. When people get it, when they don't throw the book across the room, they love it so much that they tell everybody about it. So I've, I have readers who post all over my Facebook ads. So they literally just put all my social, put social proof all over my Facebook ads telling Brilliant. everybody, just go buy this book, just go buy this book. I've had librarians who literally keep it at the front desk and just hand it out to oh, everybody. Really? Read this you, book, you've read got this a lot book. of loyalty. I've had all, I've had yeah, I guess, you know, when people get it, they really get it. I've had like an audio book listener burst into tears in the supermarket, and one of my readers nearly got run over by a car. She was going. So I would say, you know what? It's actually the three star that yeah. kill you. You know, it's, it's the, the mayor reviews, the average review. It was, it yeah. Was okay. You know, average they won't they won't tell anybody about it so my best friend is a writer as well and sometimes we actually buy books that we hate just so that oh, we can interesting. talk about them. just so we can talk about nice. how much we yeah so don't do, yeah don't be afraid of your one star review you you've got somebody to feel something you you made them mad and that is that's not Jilly, a we've thing, been doing you know? we've been doing this for seven or eight weeks now i think that's the best answer we've had to that question yeah, my own personal opinion i really oh, appreciate you. that yeah well yeah that's your your hot seat is now cool thank you very much for joining us we really appreciate that um and i i've said this again i'm i'm not trying to sell carrie's books uh, on purpose but do check out carrie mcgillan on amazon for a great example of how to play this game you're doing a wonderful job uh, continued success to you jilly yeah. thank you so much for joining us on the on the podcast thank you so much to everybody out there as well who's independently publishing thank you take care guys to indie authors uh so david that um brings the end to this episode and i actually think uh it's been one of the most informative episodes we've had so far yeah packed full of really good guests so uh, thank you lee and and thank you jilly for for joining us that was um it was a really fascinating eye-opening episode for me. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's one of those ones where I've you know, I've spent the last couple of years going into the audiobook market and you haven't. And I'm assuming quite a lot of our listeners might not have either. So hopefully, um, yeah, we thank Lee for his insight. He was so, so um, insightful and, and articulate with his answers. Um, yeah. But hopefully a lot of people have come away from that. And and also with Jilly as well, from hearing her experiences and stuff. That's that's what we aim to do on this podcast, isn't it? Is we aim to share our experiences and other people's experiences around to hopefully, yeah. you know, widen people's view on on the world of being a full time indie author. 
that's it it's literally why we set up this podcast so if you do want to get in contact with us you can ask or pose any questions for our mailbag i think the best thing rob is for people to hit us up on our facebook page right which is um two in the orders you will find that on facebook and you can ask away and we are happy and you know more than content to be open and honest with you about our experiences and those of our guests yes absolutely um David, uh, before we go today, um, what have you got on for the next week? Um, I, it will be marketing and, and launching for me. So it's uh, it's a bit of a all hands on deck. And then I'm going to take a the rest of the month off to enjoy the Christmas with my, my six-year-old and my wife. I'm looking forward to that. What about you, Rob? What's over the next seven days? Um, I'm going to still I'm gonna try and kick my own butt in the gym. Um, yes. But uh, professionally, um, I've now I'm into the home stretch on the next book, which I didn't think I'd be at this position. That's um, amazing. But I've I've put a deadline in with my editor for the 16th of December. Um, so I'm going to try and get as close to as many words down as I can over the next week. I think. Brilliant. Okay, well, that's great. Best of luck with that, Rob. We we will leave it there for this episode. And I think our listeners can sing along as we play out the music. So thanks for listening to...